This is The Tea Project with your host, Gadiel and Michelle, a husband and wife duo where they will be discussing personal finance, managing a household, and so much more. Gadiel is a father, husband, a military veteran, and a lawyer. Michelle is a mother, wife, boss. Each week, they will be providing you with fresh and valuable content, so stay tuned. And now, welcome to The Tea Project. Hey folks, welcome to another episode on Money Talks on Tea Project. Hi everybody. Today we're going to talk about the five things you'll need to be pre-approved for a mortgage, specifically for a rental property. Quick disclaimer folks, we're going to we're talking to you out of our personal experience. Michelle and I have been down this road a couple of times. We recently sold our home and and bought a new one, so we're quite familiar with the uh, pre-approval uh, process on, on getting a loan and plus we're in the same process on buying a rental property okay so um, number one Michelle why don't you lead us off proof of income okay so proof of income would be anything like your w-2 if you're employed um, your PL if you're self-employed tax returns and um, if you have any alimony, child support, any documentation that will um, that will show that information that would need to be put together and provided to the lender. So basically any type of income. So if you're receiving child support, alimony, bonuses, year in bonus, holiday bonus, any type of income that I imagine you report on your tax return, that's what they want proof of. Yes. Okay. Real simple, folks. You got the income. Please provide it. The more you provide, the higher the loan amount will be. Number two, proof of assets. So proof of assets, this is where they will ask you primarily for your bank statements, um, any retirement or investment accounts. Um, This is what will allow them to calculate what your um, debt to ratio is um, and any other important financial information. But this is where they kind of start putting two and two together to qualify you for the amount uh, of purchase on the home. Right. Uh, One of the things they look at when they look at the proof of assets, they want to make sure that not only do you want to have enough for down payment, but you also need to have enough for closing costs and as well as cash reserves in case you lose your employment, you know, shortly after being after closing. So they want to make sure that you have enough money here to to be uh, lent lent money okay so number three good credit so good credit um they want to see your credit utilization usually they want to you want to keep that below 30 percent of your available credit or your total credit um your history that plays a a factor in in the um all all this information is to to look to see what interest rate they're going to give you So the better your score is, usually it's 760 and higher. They'll give you the lowest interest rate in the market. If you have 620 to 760, then now you start to fall in the conventional loan, which is good. Um, Anything lower than that will probably get you at a higher interest rate. But the goal is to, to get it high. And there's many things that you can do to prepare for this. We'll cover that in another episode. But look, they look at your credit history. Look, if you just now just got credit, you've never built credit for, you know, for whatever reason, your circumstance, then most likely you may not be, you know, you may not, they may not give you a loan. 
But if you have credit for, you know, five, 10 years, it's good credit. There's nothing bad reflecting on your credit report, collections and things like that. Then they're going to look at you as a safe risk. You know, we can lend this person because they really have no history of of having any bad credit. So put yourself in the best position. We'll make sure to put another episode out that talks about credit score and credit history. How can you improve if you if you don't have that in order? So number four, employment verification. All right. This is where the, the most likely the lender will ask for an employment letter. And this is just them, you know, making doing their due diligence, making sure that who you say you're being employed by is, in fact, true. And what your history is there, you, you know, they typically like to see someone who's been in the company possibly more than two years. Um, so they know that they're not jumping around. And um, they verify your salary, your position, um, and that you're currently employed with them. Now, in the in the situation that we're in, we kind of had that that issue mm-hmm. where because of COVID, we're working remotely, and right. and and that is that played into our they did. situation. The, the lender in, in our situation, and I imagine it's for many people or in many lenders, is that they want to make sure that. The only like if if COVID was not an issue, are you still allowed to work remote if you don't live close to your job? Because if you do, if you don't live close to your job, just like in our situation, we live, you know, how many five hours, five hours away from from Michelle's employer. So they wanted to know, hold on, um, if if you're allowed to work, work remote and it's not because of COVID, you're fine. But if it's if. If COVID was not an issue, are you still allowed to work remote? And if that's not the case, they include the expense of you driving every day to work mm-hmm. as part of your debt to income. And I imagine there's going to be a lot of people who will probably be doing that because now working remotely, people are like, oh, why do I need to live in the city that I work? Right. You know? Well, But that's just something that if you are in that situation, you're... you're you know, you'll need to prep for that. You need to prep for that. You need to be prepared for them to say, but what about COVID? It's over now. Are you, are you do you have to go back to work? Do you have to live closer to your work? If not, we'll calculate the mileage and expense for you to get to your job every day, even though you work remote. So mm-hmm. that's important to look at. And number five, it's sort of like the catch-all of the documentation. Your driver's license. Um what other social security card, um, you know, things they need to, uh, one, pull your verify. credit report to verify, uh, income or if they need to pull your tax you're not returns, committing fraud with somebody's you, exactly. information. Um, you know, this is like, Oh, and also, um, in any of these four or five points, they're going to ask you to write a letter for and you to sign it. Explain why there's an employment gap between this time and this time. And they want you to write a letter and sign it. And basically, they want to get you not on the hook, but they want you to put yourself not out there, but basically you're the one stating in a written form, explaining these gaps of employment, these gaps in income or whatever they want you to explain. They want you to write a short statement and to sign it. All right. So and I imagine this is part of the aftermath of the financial crisis in 2008 they really want underwriting want to really do a more uh close scrutiny yeah in in order to make sure that you the the borrower can handle this uh loan so something else to add real quick um 
while you are doing this pre-approval process, what what can the what can anyone go ahead and start doing to start the process besides just getting approved? Um, like for instance, you want to make sure you start saving if you're not already, so that you can come up with um, your down payment, your closing costs, your sinking fund, your renovation funds. Um, make and then start like again, start working towards a better credit score. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't think that your credit score is in in a great position, maybe right now is not a good time to get pre-approved because, like you said, it was what thirty to sixty days where you would have to then be pre-approved. They pre-approved. have to pull your credit again. Right. So this is something that maybe some some tips that you can start now before you go in, into jumping into the pre-approval process. If you are already there, then it's just a matter of like one looking for the location, getting getting in contact with with uh, with a um, with a real estate agent, mm-hmm. um, and then just having open communication. Because at this point, even the real estate uh, agent is not entirely interested no. in showing you uh, locate uh, 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 properties or whatever. So, but it's just little steps that you can take to start getting familiar with your process. Right. One thing I'll add to that is, look, um, the first thing you need to do, I think, and before you try to get pre-approved is see what you're, you can, you're able to afford. Like, do you even have a down payment? And what are you basing it on? A home that's 50000 100000 200000 Because usually down payments, when it comes to a conventional loan, that's you. That's the probably the loan you get for a rental property, not a primary residence. Is twenty percent of the home price. So say it's a hundred thousand, you at least got to come up with twenty thousand dollars. So if you don't even have a, have that, I I, I think you need look. To... Just I'm not gonna say don't waste your time trying to get pre-approved. No, but... look for ways to come up with the money. Yeah. Whether it means teaming up with with other partners, partnering up with other people who are willing to put maybe a third or a quarter of it. And then, or half of it, or whatever right. the case is. But um, those are just things to keep in mind right. Do, while you're leading into it, or mm-hmm. in the process of the pre-approval. Right, and that's a good point. That's a good point about the the you need to have the cash there prior to get mm-hmm. or leading into the pre-approval. Any closing remarks? Nope, that was my closing remarks. <laughs> well, folks, this is look. This is going to be a, th- a three-part series. We talk about the pre-approval. Then we're going to talk about the once you get pre-approved, the after. What do you do after that? Uh, and that's going to consist of having the money there, uh, the loan amount, your budget, location, where to buy the home, things like that. Because all that matters. I mean, if you're going to be in the landlord business, do you want to do something within the, your city or within three or four counties away? How are you going to manage that? And me and Michelle, we've managed the property from from Florida Michigan. to Michigan, and we did it for, for several years. Uh, so that's something you need to consider when you're um, when you're looking for the property. So we'll talk about that in the next episode. But this is one of three part series of buying a rental property. Okay, folks, stay safe and God bless. God bless.